Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. You know, Jim, I think really Major League Baseball gets their all-star things correct. They've rearranged a few things in recent years. They've added the draft in as part of it, the futures game uh, going on, the home run derby. Of course, it was a packed house last night. I think what they do this week is, is really good and should draw in fans. I agree. Uh, and they've made the all-star game kind of a nice week-long thing. I think one of the best things that Bud Selig ever did was start finding ways to incentivize players to go take it seriously, to stay, to treat it as a few-day you know, as a, a few day trip instead of just so many players in the old past just fly and do the minimum and fly out after their last at bat. Mm. Um, and it got to be really embarrassing. And I know nobody really wants the uh, – home field advantage of the World Series to be determined by an All-Star game. It's not very logical, but he had to do something to get players to start treating it seriously again. Uh, home run derby, not my favorite event, but it certainly is a spectacle. And, and I always, you know, people always ask me, do I like it? doesn't matter if I like it. But what it does is in a market where a million people want to get tickets, they can't get tickets to the all most can't get tickets to the All-Star game, it gives you another opportunity to go to the ballpark and enjoy All-Star week. Um, and then you add in the draft, you add in, you know, the player interviews and everything else on Monday. And it's, it's, an, it's, Hey, when it was here, it was fantastic. Yeah. The all-star derby itself or the home run derby. I watched that some last night, but it's gotten kind of repetitive. I mean, yeah. all you see is just swing after swing. I like a little bit that they show the, uh, the exit velocity and launch angle. Cause then, you know, if it wound up being a home run, I used to like it better when it was a little slower pace and they would do the yep. track man on it. So you could actually see where it's going. Now it's just a guy swinging a bat and popping it up or hitting it out of the ballpark. It's gotten a little monotonous there. Yeah, I don't like it being timed. It yeah. makes people rush. It probably wears them out. It uh, it means you can't really watch. I mean, to me, the whole point of the home run derby is uh, some great hitter gets a hold of one and you just stand there and everybody just watches how far it flies. Yeah. And now you're really not watching. You're watching the next swing. So I think I think they should go back to number of pitches, like, you know, 10 throw a guy 10 balls. Yeah. See if somebody can hit 10 out of 10 out, you know, and take time between each pitch. And and shorten the length of the event and then um, also get broadcast, get better broadcasters. I thought the broadcasting was painful. Um, there's not much you can really say about a home run derby mm-hmm. and to have three people in a booth trying to hyper analyze it was really painful. I think you need like a slugger who's been in it before and maybe a comedian if you're going to, if you're going to actually try to broadcast that thing. And then have that comedian try to be a comedian, not try to be an yeah. analyst. Because right. we've, we've seen him try that a couple of times when they put Tony Kornheiser in the booth. The guy has sardonic wit. He just wouldn't use it uh, during the game was all. Yeah, and, and when he did, it was just awkward because, yeah. Yeah, listen, and the problem is, Kornheiser was great at what he did. Yep. He was a great radio host. He was a funny columnist. He was never, some, he was never an analyst. Yep. He never tried to analyze anything in print either. He was not analytical. He was an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And you put him with two serious football people, watching a game where both fan bases and the national fan base are invested. All they care about is winning and why one team's winning, why the other team's losing, analysis of every play, what might be coming next, and how's my fantasy player doing? How's it going to – it's just football fans are not fun. They're not fun people. Sports <laughs> Intense sports fans are the least fun people I know during a game. They are so into it, yep. it's, it's, it's almost scary. 
and have somebody just kind of throwing one-liners out just doesn't work. No, it didn't. Uh, hey, so Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez are going Pablo an injury replacement, but nonetheless, a nice all-star recognition for him. And, and uh, you know, Gray's a free agent after this year. The Twins have locked up uh, Lopez. I, I would think the Twins would want to bring Sonny Gray back after this season. Uh, I think he's going to leave. Okay. Um, I, I just think that he thinks this is his last chance at a mega deal. Uh, listen, if the Twins outbid everybody else in the market, I'm sure he'd be happy to come back. But he's not going to do a hometown discount or I'm comfortable here kind of deal. He wants to get maximum money. Um, my guess is he will not sign in New York. Uh, other than that, I think he would just take go to the highest bidder. And if the, if the Twins are the highest bidder, great. But I don't think the Twins will outbid everybody for him. And the other thing is, this might be his late career peak. Mm. And he pitched great in April. A little bit less great each subsequent month. By the end of the year, people might not even be clamoring for him to come back. Yeah, 33 years of age after all, so uh, stretching it uh, already just a little bit uh, for pitchers. You know, we, a few weeks ago we talked about how uh, AI is being implemented into watching video for major league teams, so now it's become almost, uh, you know, uh, espionage, trying to pick up tells on pitchers, and they're spending more time doing that than they are scouting the pitcher's stuff. Uh, case in point, Joe Ryan is now wearing sleeves uh, in part because of that, because it's forearm muscles would twitch or something when he was getting a grip on a certain pitch? Yeah, he, people could tell by the way his forearm muscles reacted, how he was gripping the ball and therefore what he was going to throw next. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know Paul Mowder used to do that stuff. Uh, so if Paul Mowder did it, I'm sure he's not the only one. It's not an easy skill to pick up, but there are coaches and veteran players who can figure it out. And it's a great, great advantage, as you know, if you mm-hmm. know what's coming. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, hey, uh, Northwestern fires uh, a guy who I thought was Northwestern football, Coach Fitzgerald, uh, out after some uh, terrible allegations of hazing coming out of his program and so forth. But I thought they had reached an agreement that it's going to be suspended, and then the president decided to fire him. Uh, what, what's kind of the situation there? I mean, they've fired football coaches at the U before. What's the process for that? Uh, well, basically, you know, he's an employee, and they went through the whole search and – you know, I guess the committee kind of decided, okay, um, terrible things were happening under his watch. Mm-hmm. There was no direct evidence that he knew about it. And then the president looked at all that and said, but the football coach should know. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, this, you know, this is a, someone who is custodian of teenagers. Uh, they are, they look to him as a leader. He sets the parameters. If you want to use the overused cliche these days, he sets the culture. He is the culture. And if people are sexually abusing each other in the program and hazing each other, mm-hmm. he should know about it. And it price, I mean, that's the way I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making millions of dollars to, yes, win games, but also to run a clean program. And this is worse than paying a recruit to, to come to your program. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Terrible stuff uh, we heard uh, has come out in that, which is too bad. We thought we had kind of moved past the, the whole rage uh, uh um, you know, hazing, I thought, because there's been so many lawsuits and so forth over it. I'm, I'm shocked that it's still going on. Uh, well, I, I think, there, especially the macho sports, mm-hmm. you know, football and hockey are probably the worst. The macho sports, you have people who want to prove just how macho they are. They like dominating other people. It's a mentality. And one way to, do, you know, and let's not get into the grotesque stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get. There are dominant personalities who want to be able to, to show that they can get you to do anything they want. 
it exists in football. It exists in hockey. It, I think it's existed a little bit in baseball over the years, but I know it happens in football and hockey. Have you uh, watched any of the uh, Senate hearings on the Live Golf and uh, uh, PGA Tour merger? I've, I've kept up with it uh, with a little bit of reading. I've not been watching any of it. Um, I really think the DOJ is going to get heavily involved in this. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that they think this is a really dirty deal, uh, and it feels like Monaghan is – basically said yes because he realized that he was going to be overwhelmed by money and power. He wasn't going to be able to do the kind of deal he wanted or keep uh, the PGA Tour separate. So I, I think there's a lot of dirty dealing going on here, and I think the DOJ will look into it. Do you think in the end that the, that the deal is nullified and it's not allowed to happen? That's my guess at this moment. Mm-hmm. It's complicated stuff. You never know what's going to happen in legal proceedings, and especially legal proceedings involving different countries. But I, I don't think I don't think the deal is just going to go through the way it was written up. Yeah, and and uh, they'll have to to change that because if if, if it is denied and and thrown out, I, the Saudis aren't going to fold up their tent. That's not how they really do business. They're going to continue on with live and will continue to be fractured at that point. I would guess. Yes. Um, now, you know, I don't care about. I don't watch live golf. I don't care about live golf. The PGA. You know, we're still going to see live players playing in the majors. My guess is we're going to see live players playing in the Ryder Cup. The PGA Tour is putting on a really good show at its major events without live players. You know, it's probably not the, the most horrible thing that ever happened unless live is able to continue to steal the best players from the PGA Tour and become the dominant tour. Right now they're not. But if they could find a way to become the, the dominant tour or really split the talent, that's when the PGA Tour would have a problem. And – it would lead to that, wouldn't it? I mean, if this deal is thrown out, if there is no deal and the PGA Tour can't sustain $20 million payrolls, that's part of the reason, uh, or weekends, that's part of the reason Monaghan came to the table. Their, yep. their prize money is going to go back to $8 million per event. Lives is going to be at twenty. It's going to be hard to keep guys. Well, they'll keep guys, certainly. But more guys will leave, I would think. I would think that's true. Yes, and then, uh, then, and you know, the problem with live is most businesses have to please their customers. Most of the businesses have to mo- have to operate within certain parameters. Saudi has so much money and a lot of it blood money; they could just they, they don't have any parameters. They can just spend as much as they want. Yeah, makes it uh, tough competition. That's for sure. Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at five sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.